Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Craig and I scratched our heads as we read our instructions from the dirt-smudged printout in Craig's hand. He didn't give you an explanation? I asked. Nah, I've barely seen this guy. We've mostly talked over email, and this was all he gave me. Craig and I's landscaping business attracted its share of aloof wealthy types. It was pretty common for us not to meet our clients in person until the job was well underway, and sometimes not even then. That's part of the reason we require 50% of our pay up front. This customer, a mysterious gentleman by the name of Henry Walleen, had ordered a large koi pond with a special request. His note at the bottom of the email read, I would like a cavity approximately six by three feet and three feet deep to be dug in the bottom of the pond. Please line the cavity with cement, but do not fill it in. Maybe he's got future plans to install something. Could be for a sculpture, maybe a fountain, I offered. Maybe, but why wouldn't he have us install that too? Craig asked. I had never seen him so agitated about a customer request. Maybe he's importing it from a faraway land. It could be something exotic and rare that he wants handled by experts only. You never know with these types. I gestured to the enormous house behind us. Its face was almost entirely glass. I wondered if that was to let natural light in, or so Mr. Walleen could look out on the golf course just across the road whenever he pleased. Hey, I figured it out, I said, smirking. He's building this pond to collect stray golf balls. They'll all roll into this big rectangle and he'll never have to buy golf balls again. Come on, man, don't be cute, Craig scolded. This doesn't weird you out at all? No, I replied. What do you think it is? A watery grave for one of his enemies? Or, I mean, how many kids do you think could fit in there? Ooh. I waved my hands over my head and wiggled my fingers at Craig. He finally cracked a little smile and shoved me. Whatever, Mike. If you don't have any qualms with it, let's just get started on this thing. We dug the pond over the next couple of days. Mr. Walleen didn't come out, but we knew he was home. He and his wife fought constantly and loudly. Whenever we turned off our machinery, we could hear them yelling at each other. Late on day two, they had one of their spats in front of the biggest window facing us, and we got our first look at Mr. and Mrs. Walleen. He was a middle-aged, bald man, pudgy but not overweight. Despite a small hooked nose, his face was moderately handsome. Based on his blue blazer and creased gray pants, I thought he probably took the phrase dress for success quite seriously. Mrs. Walleen seemed to be his perfect opposite. Slender and beautiful, she looked to be in her mid-twenties and stood nearly a head taller than her husband even though he was wearing shoes and she was barefoot. She must have thought she had all the success she ever needed because she was dressed in a sweatshirt and pajama bottoms. She screamed down at Mr. Walleen for a few minutes and he just stood there and took it. When she stormed away, he walked over to the window. 
Craig and I pretended to be working, acting like we hadn't just witnessed the fight. Mr. Walleen watched us for a minute, then finally came out to meet us. Henry Walleen, he announced, sticking his meaty hand out for mine. I raised mine up to show him it was covered in dirt, and he shrugged. When else are my hands going to get dirty? I ain't afraid, he said. I smiled and awkwardly shook his hand. You boys look like you're doing a great job. Must be hard work. I saw you taking a break a minute ago. Oh, uh, we were just... Craig tried to offer an excuse that didn't involve us eavesdropping on our client, but Mr. Walleen waved him off. No need for excuses, son. I told her you two were out here and would probably hear us, and I think she screamed a little louder for your sake. He turned back toward the house and sort of distantly said, She's beautiful, ain't she? Sir, I wouldn't... Oh, come on, you're a man same as me. Younger, too. I'd be more insulted if you lied to me than complimented a fine-looking woman. So what if she's my wife? Yes, sir, you're a lucky man, I said with nervous hesitation. He laughed. He didn't just chuckle ironically. He really laughed. The sound came up from his belly and erupted from his mouth like he was a volcano full of pent-up, maniacal humor. He laughed like it was the first time he'd laughed in weeks. Craig and I looked at each other uncomfortably. Something about Mr. Walleen felt off. He had been so secretive, and now he was troublingly open. His laugh contained something dark, too. A humorless undertone that made it sound like it might quickly turn to sobbing or screaming. When Mr. Walleen finally stopped laughing, he put a hand on each of our shoulders. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's just... You work so hard your whole life and you finally get everything you dreamed of. The house, the car, the wife. I'm sure it looks like luck to most people, but it's a curse, really. The house feels empty, the car gets old, and the wife... He trailed off, but we knew what he meant. A somber cloud came over him, and his eyes took on a reptilian coldness. You know, she's drunk half the time. Maybe she'll stumble into this pond when it's done and drown. A wicked grin broke through his grim expression and he slapped both of our backs and laughed again. We did not return his smile. He seemed to realize his joke was ill-received and grew serious again. Ah, man, I'm sorry. Forget I said that. That was... that was too much. I don't want her to die, really. I just want her out of my life. But then again, I don't really even want that, do I? I had wanted to ask Mr. Walleen about the cavity under the pond, but decided against it. A creeping suspicion that Craig had been right about heinous intentions had entered my mind during our strange interaction with our client. Mr. Walleen made some excuse, wished us well, and went up to the house. I turned to Craig once he was out of earshot. Do you still think we should do this for him? I pointed to the rough hollow we'd begun to dig in the center of the pond. What else are we going to do? Craig asked. I don't know. We could tell him we can't do it. Tell him it's not possible. I mean, we're the experts. We could make up some reason it can't be done. And then he'll just find someone else to do it. You can't afford to lose this job with that baby at home, he said. He was right. My wife had recently given birth to our baby boy, and the diapers, formula, and clothes had been more expensive than I'd anticipated. As a self-employed man, I really couldn't afford to give up a job. When the day was done, I returned to my wife and son with a heavy heart and a cloudy mind. I didn't share my concerns with my wife, but she could tell something was wrong. It's hard to hide worry that severe. 
I wondered if Craig and I could be fingered as accomplices if Mr. Walleen decided to bury his pretty bride in that shallow, watery grave. My hope, feeble and fading as it was, remained that there might be a reasonable explanation. When my wife left to put our son to bed, I grabbed my laptop and took it upstairs. I opened my browser and typed the words, Cement Rectangle Bottom of Pond. All I got were a bunch of do-it-yourself articles about how to build concrete ponds, so I replaced rectangle with grave and searched again. Bingo. There was a nameless cult operating mostly in the eastern United States, but had begun creeping westward too. Although they rejected anything to do with old religion, their practices seemed to align pretty closely with the Christian occult. Their symbol was a slightly rotated and uneven pentagram, and I saw lots of goat imagery during my research. I suppose some of the images might have been speculative additions by online publishers, though. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the cult, but some of their members have been uncovered throughout various murder investigations. I learned of four unmasked members in total, and each of them had buried a body in a shallow, underwater grave. Only one of the convicted cultists had ever spoken about this practice, and his explanation made my stomach lurch. I thought I might just throw up. In the video interview I watched with the cultist, he said, We bury them under a small body of water, and then they become one with the water. In death, they are given eternal life, and we drink from this water of eternal life so that we, too, can live eternally without ever experiencing death for ourselves. I decided against calling the cops. No crime had been committed so far, and Craig and I hadn't even finished the pond. No one was in danger just yet. I thought I might drop an anonymous tip to the police once we had finished, though. Maybe they could have someone watch the house that night. I filled Craig in on what I had discovered as we put the finishing touches on the pond the next day. You really think there's a cult hiding bodies and water features? Craig asked. I couldn't tell if he was mocking me or genuinely curious. Oh yeah, I confirmed. I watched a video interview with one of the members after he was arrested. Huh, Craig replied. So you think Mr. Walleen is involved in it? I can't think of a better explanation. I mean, I know it sounds insane, but I just don't know what else to think. Have you told anyone else about it? Craig asked. No. I didn't think anyone else would believe me, to be honest. I'm only telling you because, well, if Mr. Walleen gets caught, you and I might be on the line as accomplices. I wondered if maybe you wanted to try and stop him. We could abandon the job or, so we don't lose the money, turn him into the police. Jeez, man. One option robs us of a job's pay and the other makes sure we'll never work again. Imagine if word got out that we called the cops on a client for something he might do later. Well, what do you think we should do? I demanded. I say we leave it alone. No cops. We just do the job like we're supposed to and walk away. There's no crime in following a client's instructions. Whatever he does afterward is on him and has nothing to do with us. Craig met my eyes and his face softened. He must have seen how desperate and worried I was. Man, that kid really softened you up, he said. I'll tell you what. All this cult stuff is news to me, so why don't I go home tonight and do my own research? We can decide what to do after that. But the pond's finished, I argued. All that's left is to fill it up. I pointed to the water truck parked nearby on the street. 
So, we don't have to fill it up, Craig said. I'll go up to the house and give Mr. Walleen some excuses to why we can't fill it today. That will give both of us some time to think this over, alright? As our conversation paused, we heard Mrs. Walleen's shrill, muffled voice waft across the lawn. They were fighting again. Or maybe I should just send him an email, Craig chuckled. We went home for the night. I didn't stay up late doing research that night. I felt that by confiding in Craig, I had done my part. His plan had been a good one. Delay Mr. Walleen from committing his terrible crime while we slept on the dilemma. And I planned to do just that. My wife shook me awake at one in the morning. She was near tears. Mike, Mike, wake up, please, she said. She was holding our baby boy, who was crying furiously. What's wrong? I asked, sitting up. My head felt heavy and my eyes filled me with sleepy fog, but the desperation in my wife's voice had jump-started my brain. I sat up and put a hand on her elbow, underneath our son's sagging diaper. I didn't even realize I used the last diaper right before we went to bed. I'm so sorry, but could you run out and get some? He really needs a new one. Of course. I'll be back as quick as I can, I said kindly. Although, in my head, I was complaining about having to run out in the middle of the night to an overnight convenience store that sold diapers with a steep upcharge. You know, for the convenience. The golf course is between my house and the convenience store, and as I passed it that night, I noticed a light shining up on the hill. I couldn't be sure, but I thought it might be coming from Mr. Walleen's house. I wondered if he'd left his porch light on or something. After purchasing the diapers from a grumbling clerk, I headed back towards home. The golf course came into view, and I saw the light was still on up the hill. I knew my son needed the diapers, but told myself a drive up the hill would only add a minute to the trip. Two tops. And curiosity got the better of me. As I neared the house, I killed my headlights. The light I'd seen was coming from the other side of the house, and not the front porch light as I had originally suspected. I thought about driving past and just going home, but then wondered what would happen if Mr. Walleen really was up to something criminal. He would definitely notice me driving past. It was 1.30 in the morning. He would likely recognize my car, or if he didn't, he certainly would when I came to fill the pond the next morning. Then what? Would he kill me too? Or maybe he would just threaten to claim I was a part of the whole thing if I turned him in. Neither possibility were risks I could take. I killed the engine and carefully opened my door. I knew the spot the hinges squeaked and stopped just before it, then wormed my way out of the car. The first abnormality I noticed was the sound of gushing water. I saw the hose had been attached to the water truck. Horrified, I realized he was filling the pond himself. I crept around the back of the house preparing my phone so I could take a video of the crime if it was already in progress. I would document as much as I could safely, then return to my car and call 911. I felt confident in this plan until I reached the corner of the house and noticed another truck parked just down the street on a bend. It was Craig's. My automatic assumption was that Mr. Walleen had lured Craig back to the house, maybe to fill the pond, hence the running water. I wondered if the comments about wanting his wife dead had just been misdirection to keep Craig's guard down. Had Walleen intended my business partner to be his sacrifice the whole time? 
Hoping there was still time, I ran out from cover and stood on the edge of a portable lamp's glowing light. Its yellow hue illuminated a dirt-stained man standing on the edge of the pond. Craig. And there was more than dirt staining his skin and clothes. He had blood smeared down his neck and across his chest. I looked into the pond and saw under a glassy layer of water that the cavity had been filled with dirt. You must have made up your mind. Decided to fill it in and be done with it? I asked shakily, trying to ignore the blood. Craig's face softened and his shoulders dropped as he relaxed. Yeah, man, he said. What are you doing out here? Before I answered, my eyes caught a splash of blood I hadn't noticed forming a speckled pattern up his hip across his midsection. Craig noticed me eyeing it and tensed up again. I stepped away from the light and ran. I heard a metallic shimmer and turned to see Craig lifting a pickaxe off the ground next to the pond. It was covered in blood, down to the grip. Craig ran at me with the bloody pickaxe as I stumbled through the yard toward my car. As I passed to the Walleen's front door, I considered knocking and screaming for help, but Craig was too close. If I stopped moving, he would catch me. I had to get to my car and get away. I pulled out my keys, pressed the remote, and my car blinked at me warmly. I just had to get to it and open the door before. I turned to look behind me and saw Craig wasn't there anymore. I searched all around the dark yard, still running, expecting him to jump out from behind a hedge or something. But I made it to my car unscathed and got in. Without thinking, I started the engine and tore up the road. When I passed Craig's truck, I saw him sitting in the cab. Wait, I thought. He knows where I live. In the rear view, I saw him turn his truck around and start speeding my direction. The police. I should call the police. I pulled out my phone and dialed 9-1 before Craig's truck slammed into my rear bumper and sent the phone flying out of my hand. I almost lost control of the car but caught the wheel just in time to save it. We were coming up on a winding street that passed through a residential area. I was leading him away from my house. My little sedan cut around the street's curves like a snake, and Craig's Chevy was like a lumbering dog. Twice I saw his headlights break their even, parallel positions as the truck lurched to one side before dropping back onto all four tires. It gave me an idea. I took a hard right toward the elementary school. There was a roundabout in front of the school, which I thought I could use to lose Craig, or at least slow him down enough for me to retrieve my phone from the floor. I approached the roundabout as fast as I dared and swung around the grassy bullseye in its center. Halfway around the circle, I looked up. I saw headlights bouncing over the grass just before Craig's truck smashed into my car. My leg, pinned between my door and the steering wheel, screamed at me like my baby boy was probably still screaming at my wife. I looked at the diapers on the passenger seat beside me. They were covered in blood. My blood. My other leg had snapped just above the ankle. A bone protruded from the torn flesh, and blood kept spraying onto the seat, the diapers, and the window in rhythmic bursts. Dazed, I turned toward my window. It was spiderwebbed and bulging inward, but hadn't shattered. There was a hazy, dark shape moving on the other side. Craig. Craig reached for my door. I readied myself to kick him away but wasn't sure I'd have the strength. He pulled the handle, and with a grinding metallic shriek, the door fell off. 
He hadn't expected it to break and stumbled back before pushing the door away. I wasn't pinned anymore, but still couldn't move. I was too weak. I'd lost a lot of blood and probably had a major concussion. Craig stepped forward again, and I saw the woolly shape of the pickaxe in his blurry hands. He raised it up above his head, and I closed my eyes. I was already dead. I knew it. Craig would only be ending it sooner. Two shots rang out from somewhere and I heard Craig grunt. I opened my eyes again and saw him drop to one knee. The pickaxe fell from his hand. I thought I might have been hallucinating, imagining some alternative ending to this horror show of a night. But then a third shot cut the air, and with a wet squelch, Craig hit the pavement face first. An old man with a rifle walked into the shrinking vignette. You'll be alright, just stay awake, help is coming, he said. I didn't stay awake, but help did come. My leg needs some time to heal, so I'll be out of work and living on government assistance for some time, but that's alright. I'm just happy to be alive. The body Craig buried under the pond belonged to a prostitute he had picked up just an hour or so before I caught him. All signs point to his actions being part of his initiation into that nameless cult. Mr. Walleen, I later learned, had not requested the cavity under the pond. Craig had added it to the instructions himself. Craig had lied to and used me from the start, and it almost cost me my life. Instead, he became the fifth known member of the cult to be caught, and now the public in this area can be on the lookout for other strange activities. I know I certainly can't drive or walk past a pond anymore without wondering what's really in there. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. The next best way is to buy merch from the warningwoods.myshopify.com. The link is also in the description below. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at the Warning Woods. If you feel ready, Meet me here next week for another journey into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening.